Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome back in. Hour number two, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. We are rolling through the Friday edition of the program. Encourage all of you to go subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you don't miss a moment wherever you are across the country. We've got nearly 500 affiliate stations. We appreciate all of you carrying the show and listening to us all over the country and frankly around the world. But... It's uh, spring break season. Before long, it'll be summer vacation season. We want to make sure you can find us anywhere. Search out my name, Clay Travis. Search out Buck Sexton. Plus, lots of podcast originals. All sorts of cool things there that you will not find in the 15 hours that we spend with you every single week. So, we encourage you to dive in there and make sure you subscribe to the podcast. So, uh, Buck, I want to hit you with a couple of uh, data points here. There's a poll that recently came out, and I understand. Just came out today. Uh, this is the Harvard-Harris presidential election poll, uh, as well as favorability ratings of different candidates, both expected and declared. First of all, Trump is up four on Joe Biden right now, uh, 45 to 41. If Kamala Harris ran, and this is a whole story that we can get into, I think, because there's lots of shots from inside the Biden White House against Kamala Harris today, Reuters has got a pretty devastating piece up about Kamala Harris. Trump has a 10-point lead uh, on Kamala Harris, 48 to 38, which is why I don't think Kamala will ever be the Democrat nominee. DeSantis, if he were running against Biden, according to this Harvard-Harris poll, would have a three-point lead over Biden and eight-point lead over Kamala Harris. Now, interestingly... When you get into net favorability ratings, that is, how many people have a positive versus how many people have a negative view, DeSantis is the most popular out there. He's got a net plus 13, Nikki Haley net plus 12, Trump is a net minus 1, Biden's approval ratings are collapsing in this Harvard-Harris poll, he's minus 8, Harris is minus 9. All right, I bring all that up. The discussion that is out there and I know you have heard it, and I bet a lot of our audience has heard it, is that Ron DeSantis doesn't have the personal magnetism, the kissing babies, the shaking hands, the glad-handling persona 
that is necessary to win in Iowa and New Hampshire. That is the perception. DeSantis Buck was directly asked about that by um, Piers Morgan. And uh, here is what he said in Cut 19. And I will I want you to kind of analyze this. I'll analyze it. Let's see whether we think this is a legitimate attack angle. Is it a story that is going to play out in a significant fashion. Here's DeSantis talking about the fact that, frankly, he doesn't like doing cocktail parties and doing all of the all the things that sometimes you have to do in order to be elected president. These are people who are in the political class, journalist class, politicians, and like D.C. in particular. They get mad. I don't do the cocktail parties. I don't like rubbing elbows with other people. I like doing my job and then spending time with my family. That's just what I do. A lot of the people that are criticizing, you know, they would say, oh, he doesn't do well with 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 donors. He doesn't glad hand with them. And yet I raise more money than any non-presidential candidate in the history of America. Are you kidding me? So we do well. But I do think that, you know, I deal better with regular people than I do with some of the people in the political class. So he also went on to say to talk about how, you know, the donor, the donors have been very generous. Yeah. Right? And, and to the DeSantis uh, DeSantis effort here in, in Florida, and I would, I would add to all this, Clay, we have to remember that political consensus and political wisdom is always, is always a thing until it's not. And what I mean by that is Donald Trump, for example, 2016, wasn't going to win, couldn't get it done, didn't have the background, you know, everything, right? I mean, everyone can sit here. We could just talk for hours about all the things they said that meant that he'd never been a politician, never held elected office. And we all know what history did in 2016. There is a consensus out there, I think, among the uh, Politico class that you have to be kissing babies, doing all the donor stuff. And that is a, anyone you talk to who runs campaigns and does this stuff will say, yeah, yeah, you, you've got to do that. Now, DeSantis does some of that, obviously. He's doing events. He's meeting with donors. But he's just that's not his that's not his uh, strong suit, shall we say. Right. That's not his his main his main effort on the campaign trail and hasn't been. But what he offers is, are you going to donate? I mean, I think this is the implicit pitch, not only of him dealing with donors, but also why he would get people to vote for him for governor and perhaps for something else soon. Uh, his pitch is, are you giving money or your vote for what I say or what I do? I mean, he gets in here soon. And I think that's a very effective one. He's the guy whose results. He's not the guy whose words and slogans and phrases. And that includes how he interacts, you know, if you're a, if you're a big donor, if you're a Republican donor, do you want to give money to the guy who says he's going to do a lot of amazing things, or do you want to give money to the guy who stares down Disney and wins? Do you know what I'm saying? Or, or who implements even more importantly, just implements a conservative agenda with every aspect, you know, in every way, meticulously and with discipline. So it's going to be a lot of rhetoric versus results here. And DeSantis, I think, and and this is what he he said this, but I'm just expanding on this. His approach to governance and being governor is i get you the results that not only benefit the state but are the results that i promise the people who vote for me who give money to my campaign what could be more important than that and i think that's an interesting question that the consensus may change around here's how i i think all of that is very true here's how i would answer the question and for those of you out there as we move through this trump desantis battle there can be a lot of coaching on the show right Hey, here's the question. Here's the story. What's the best way that you could have responded? 
and this is me thinking from the perspective of a dad with three relatively young kids. If I'm DeSantis, I answer the question by saying this. I want to be, assuming that he is going to run for president, I'm going to do the best job that I can as president or as governor. But ultimately, the most important job that I have is I am dad with three young kids. And sometimes that means I'm not going to be out on the glad handling circuit because I'm going to work my ass off at the job. But I also want to create time to be a dad when my kids are young because they need me. And I think that connects in a big way with so many people out there, particularly parents, but grandparents as well, who understand that idea. And I think, Buck, to your point on donor class, the people who can afford to stroke those big checks, the people who have $100 million that they can help Ron DeSantis raise, the 100 millionaires, the billionaires, you know what they often feel guilty about? How much time they spend working and trying to balance out their work life with their family life. And I certainly know we talked. We had the call uh, from uh, from one of our listeners uh, out uh, in uh, Missouri just in the last hour, saying that suburban moms are going to decide this election. Do you know who is the most stressed about trying to balance work and life in America today? Moms. Moms are overwhelmed every single day about all their kids' activities about trying to make sure that the family is put together right. And I think that's why DeSantis has connected well with a lot of moms over COVID, because I frankly don't think that politicians have spoken well to all the moms who had to take on the obligations and responsibilities when the kids' uh, schools were shut down, and suddenly you had to be mom, teacher, uh, you couldn't go to work, you couldn't get your own uh, job done. I think that's how you pivot. On that, going to make a choice of spending time with your family over being out glad handling. And I think, Buck, a lot of people out there that are donating money to DeSantis, I don't think they care about his personal abilities on a rope line or how he's going to sound when he walks into a diner in Iowa or New Hampshire. I do think that's something you work on and you worry about a viral interaction that goes bad and people decide to say, oh, you know, you don't have the, the sort of personal connection ability, you know, the Bill Clinton, I feel your pain. This is one where I think the Trump campaign, Trump is incredible. Trump is incredible at making well, connections with people. Is, isn't this, a, this is, it, it, no one has ever done in, look, the only person, and people get mad at me for saying this, the only person who's ever been in a similar realm um, of magnetism in front of the, you know, the masses of his party would be Barack Obama. Yeah. Now, I, I, I'm not saying that I, you know, but Barack Obama just, you know, Democrats were all weeping, folks. I don't want to tell you. Okay. There weren't all weeping when Hillary was speaking. Or certainly Biden. Once, nobody even cares. No, yeah, yeah, nobody, nobody, nobody even knew where he was. At all. But he was a once in a generation, maybe even a once in a lifetime talent for Democrats and for their perspective and was able to win two elections. Donald Trump in that same, in that same realm was a, a once in a generation talent in the live performance and charisma yeah. zone, right? Ron DeSantis is coming out and he's just like, okay, I just like to get the results and spend time with my family and get things done for you. And, you know, when you're driving around, whether no matter what state you live in, not just Florida, anywhere, what matters to you more? I mean, this is going to be, I think, the implicit pitch of 
DeSantisism even going forward. We can even take this out of the primary fight with Trump, too. There are a lot of other states that are looking to Florida. And, Clay, you and I know this. They're, you know, Kevin Stitt in Oklahoma is trying to have a very conservative agenda looking at what's worked in Florida and bring even more of it to Oklahoma, which is a very red state. Iowa, uh, Governor Reynolds. I mean, there are others who are looking to do similar things. He's going to say, do you care more about what your taxes are, how safe your streets are, how well, you know, government administration functions when you have to deal with any aspect of public services, whether it's schools or public safety or anything else? Is it efficient? Is it good? Is it competent? Are you safe? Is your family safe? Are the street- those things, does that matter more or does the guy who gives an amazing speech matter more? Now, I'm not trying to say that Trump didn't bring results to us president. I'm just saying this is the implicit pitch that I think is behind the DeSantis phenomenon in Florida, and we'll see if it scales. Does it grow? The other thing I would say on this, uh, Buck, is everybody has different talents. And I'll give you a couple of examples. Trump can walk into a McDonald's, and who a lot of people will remember as an actor, but also was a senator. When he would do his television commercials, people used to watch him and be like, I can't do that. Like, he drove around in a red pickup truck, and he would, like, lean up against a split split rail fence with, like, a piece of straw in his mouth and do a television commercial because he's such a good actor. You would watch it, and you'd be like, damn, this guy's so real. I love it. But most people would be like Dukakis in a tank if you put a piece of straw in their mouth and told them to lean against a red pickup truck beside a split rail fence. They can't do it. So this is how I feel when I wear cowboy boots, just so you know. I'm like, is someone going to make fun of me? I'm I'm from New York City. Politicians who decided... That they look at John Kerry goes from one week he's moving his like seven million dollar yacht yes. from Rhode Island to Connecticut or whatever to avoid taxes, and in a pink wetsuit, you know, windsurfing off of Martha's Vineyard, and the next week he's I'm out here in the fields, yes, with this people this can boom see boom stick BS. shooting at these quack quack ducks, and I'm just like you. Except I married into a $300 million fortune. But I'm just like the common people. Yeah, we all know how that worked out for him, right? You got to be who you are. Yep. Authenticity. By the way, true on. We got a lot of construction folks listening, a lot of general contractors listening. Whenever you see Trump in real time interacting with people who are doing those day to day jobs that just allow America to be America, that you can just, they light up, they smile. Yeah. And he lights up back. Yep. And that is something that cannot be faked. That's right. most of our lives, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but Bill what, Clinton, I think that was what cost her. Yeah, right. Bill Clinton, her husband, I think most people did believe authentically. Now, you might not agree with everything he's going to do, but he was himself. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges as more and more people pay attention is just being normal. That's why I come back Bill to over and over again. To JBN. All the ladies of America <laughs> close. Just, just be normal. A squeeze. Yep. Bill Clinton, everybody. The new deals keep coming from the likes of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Free phones are the latest way to keep, uh, to keep, to try to keep your business. That's sorry. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to give you a free phone to buy you off, but it's a trick to lock you into another long-term contract that's going to cost you a fortune every month. Instead, get a brand new iPhone 12 from Pure Talk for just 12 bucks a month at 0% interest, no contract. And Buck and Pure Talk's U.S. customer service team will help you make the switch in as little as 10 minutes. Choose from a variety of unlimited talk and text plans starting at 30 bucks a month. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time 
with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know... Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Friday, you're hanging with Clay and Buck. Um, Clay, do you want to share your... your <laughs> this is really funny. As you know, Clay just... I just, by the way, I'm sorry, I couldn't stop laughing yesterday with the Macho Man Randy Savage. I tried to tell clip. that story at dinner last night. <laughs> I started laughing. I could, you know, some things just tickle you funny. You know what I mean? They just they yeah. hit you funny. Um, but you're you're you just came back from Italy. It was a great trip there. Worth worthwhile country to visit for anybody who's never been. It's amazing. Uh, but you had a funny observation. You wanted. Yeah. Well, uh, I was talking about this off air because producer Ali sent a story that's also connects with this. But we went obviously to Italy and we got to Florence and you know Michelangelo's David, one of the great iconic art sculptures of all time is there and also a lot of other sculptures and i asked my second grader what he thought of italy after our first day there and he said dad there are penises everywhere (laughs) which was for a second grader you're walking around you see these statues the guys are all nude uh it was the number one thing that he noticed about italy as soon as we got there so there are penises everywhere if you're wondering what a trip to italy might be like buongiorno buongiorno if you own a small business you've likely heard about the employee retention credit or the erc this is the tax refund program from the irs for businesses that have survived the pandemic have you applied yet go to getrefunds.com to get started in less than eight minutes time see if your business qualifies 
qualifies for ERC assistance. Your business may be eligible for a payroll tax refund of up to $26,000 per employee kept on payroll during COVID-19. GetRefunds.com already helped clients claim over $3 billion in payroll tax refunds through the ERC. They may be able to help your business, too. No upfront charges. They don't get paid until your business gets its refund. Many businesses believe they won't qualify based off incomplete or outdated information. Don't let this opportunity pass you by because this payroll tax refund only available for a limited time. Go to GetRefunds.com. That is GetRefunds.com. One more time, GetRefunds.com. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the front lines of truth. Oh, my goodness. You never know when you bring up stone penises what the reaction is going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Clay Travis. You probably didn't expect that open either. I'm Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. We are rolling. Sent me this story, and I, I can't believe this is real. Buck, a principal in Tallahassee, which is uh, the capital, obviously, of Florida, uh, was pushed out of her school. And I'm reading from the Daily Mail. Uh, a Tallahassee charter school principal has been forced to resign after parents complained about a sixth-grade art history lesson claiming that Michelangelo's statue of David uh, was pornographic. And they forced her to resign because this was said to be pornographic. Now, I look, I just came back from Italy. I just went into Florence uh, into the great uh, 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 museum there. It's also a replica of this statue is standing in the, one of the main plazas in Florence. This is an example, Buck, of I think parents wildly overreact. We, we can talk about whether so, you should be taught about gender identity, but in an art history course to be forcing a principal to resign because they showed you one of the most famous sculptures in the history of the world, <laughs> eh, this is crazy. I, I do recall going to a Jesuit school uh, where we saw we had an art history component and a history of the church component. So on the one hand, we were learning about the Council of, of Trent in 1563, which ruled that lascivious uh, paintings and this is what uh, and, and sculptures in particular. Vatican. I missed the first. I'm, I'm talking about the 16th century. You're talking about who in the 19th one century? One of the popes uh, in Vatican oh, City oh, okay. went around and put in, like, removed penises and or covered them, like literally chipped them off the sculptures because he didn't want there to be exposed penises in Vatican City. Could you? I mean, I'm just not to get too off track here. That was someone's job who was probably aspiring to be Michelangelo himself. That is like, a good point. Hey, I have to uh, chip away at the. Uh, you that know, is a that's... great point. He probably went home and bragged to his parents, "Hey, I'm now in charge of sculptures in the Vatican City." And mom was like, "We're going to make special pasta. This is the girl. What are you going to be doing?" And then he was like, "Well, for the rest of the next decade, I'm just chopping penises off of uh, historic statues. Like that was his job." And I hope he lied to his mom. Uh, and uh, and didn't tell her that that was his actual job at the Vatican. So so that we know that there was a period of time where the, the specifically the Catholic Church was opposed to this, and this is why you see. And the whole thing is quite ridiculous when you think about it. Like like putting a fig leaf in front of it. What is this? Who is this saving? Or what is this doing? Um, I, I can't imagine what these parents. I, I don't know what to say about this. I mean, there's. If you go all throughout the artistic uh, world, and I mean classical, oh like, yeah, of course, the art, the art that people generally agree is is beautiful and to be elevated, not you know, uh, uh, the some of the stuff that we've seen in the in the modern era, which I won't talk about right now. But 
obviously, Clay, there's little there's little cherubs running around, you know, not running. They're actually flying with little yeah. wings and paintings. You just got back from Italy. See, this is all over the place. Um, these I will these I think these parents are wrong. Yeah, I, I think these parents are wrong. I don't know what else to say. Um, if you know, sixth graders, me, by the way, sixth grade, we're not, I mean, whatever age, like, I mean, my eight year olds, like, you know, in second yeah. grade, noticing the, the exposed penises and all the artwork, this is crazy. And they forced the principal to resign. I mean, this is art history. Like whatever you think about, uh, about the, the sculpture and its value, it is one of the most famous pieces of air. They're, they're going to, what are you going to do? You're going to pixelate it up on the screen, you know, like, <laughs> like, like, uh, like Michelangelo's David has an OnlyFans account. This yeah. is not a good idea. <laughs> I just I can't believe this is this is a real story. And look, you can you can that we started off talking in the early first hour of the show. Like there is a wide range, I understand, of parent decisions as it pertains to what their kids can be taught. But the idea that a principal would have to resign for showing one of the most historic pieces of art in the history of the world to her art history course. This reminds me, Buck, and, and honestly, it kind of connects. Did you see the story? I think it was in Ohio where uh, there was um, a sculpture work that was considered to be Islamophobic, I believe, and they fired the art history teacher there. It was, it was representations in art of Muhammad. Well, yeah, and, you're not within the Islamic tradition, you're not allowed to show anything which also reminds me of the South Park episode, Correct. which you cannot find anymore, where there was Muhammad, but he was in a bear costume. Yes. So they weren't actually showing Muhammad. They were showing a bear costume with Muhammad. Just brilliant. <laughs> with Muhammad inside. It's brilliant. But th- this was, uh, there are artistic representations of Muhammad from the 14, 15, 1600s that are pieces of art that are very famous. in, uh, And so the professor of art history, this is in college, showed her kids that uh photo and a, a, a person who was of muslim faith in the course said it was islamophobic and they fired the art history teacher in college and then there was such a blowback that they ended up apologizing and bringing her back but this is i mean to me part and parcel of the censorious culture in which we live in where even objects of great historic relevancy are considered to be uh offensive and so i mean can you imagine being that principal like to get no look this is crazy if this is really if there's no other context we don't know about and this is crazy um and and i would say you know because because to, to think about this you know what what are the implications of this if this were to be the new policy that if you show uh not we're not talking about showing you know, pornographic material, the kids. Democrats seem to always be defending the books that are very pornographic, et cetera, for for small for small children. This is about the greatest works of art in the Western tradition. And if you can be fired for that, um, we're we're definitely losing something uh, very precious in in our society. And I I just I sit here and and I wonder um what has to what has to be done here to to get the message to folks that this is not a good idea? I, I'm I'm, a, I'm in a little bit of shock. I didn't think this was possible. Yeah, I'm. I'm it's blown Michelangelo's away. David. Yeah, I know, I know. And and the reason why I brought it up was because Ali said it ties in with what what I had put up about my second grader when we were literally talking about this uh, ourselves over in Italy. I've got a sixth grader too, 
I can't imagine being upset if he were shown this. I mean, I can understand being a teacher and being like, hey, I don't want to show anybody naked in a sixth grade art class because the kids are going to kind of yeah, laugh it, and like everything else. It, stri- but- it strikes me that there, there's also the, the point of intent here. No one shows yes. a statue of David to be lascivious or to be, you know, I mean, it, it, it's just the, there's no intention here to do anything to pollute the minds. Gosh, it's like uh, this is like Socrates, pollute the minds of the youth. I mean, this is crazy. Uh, I wanted to get this call, too, by the way. Um, we were talking about Trump and DeSantis and basically their appeal to the common man or woman. And Ronnie in Memphis, you had a story about that. I appreciate you hanging on with us. I thought this was a good story. Uh, a friend of mine, Zach, rolled into Manhattan three days after 9-11, and he had a truckload of water just, you know, because everybody was sending stuff for all the people there. And uh, he pulled up, and he's sitting there, and um, – He's waiting to get unloaded, and a big redheaded guy walks up to him and says, uh, what do you got on there? He said, I got water. He said, uh, well, what do you need? He said, I need help unloading. And uh, he said the guy took off. Of, he said he's probably wearing a $1,000 suit. He, said he took off his jacket, and he looked over at his guy that works for him and said, hey, man, there's nothing wrong with you. Get your jacket off and help. He said they're unloading, and he realized, he said, well, what's your name? He said, Donald Trump. I mean, can you imagine John Kerry? Yeah, he, he wouldn't even have his butler help. So just on, I mean, that's a great story. Just on nine eleven, everybody is rushing all the goods in. Your buddy's driving a truck. He happens to end up somewhere near Trump, and the next thing you know, Trump introduced him. Remember when? Thank uh, you, thank you so much for calling in. Yeah. Remember when uh, Jimmy, which one? Uh, not Kimmel, the mean one. Who's the other one? Fallon. The, uh, Fallon. Jimmy Fallon tussled Trump's hair a little bit. Basically and destroyed the, Jimmy Fallon's career. And and the Democrats completely lost their minds. It's such a minor thing. Why did they completely lose their minds over that? Because it was a visualization of the connection that this guy was able to have with everyday people who were open to it, who were willing to not believe the propaganda that he was such a monster. And it, it, it was a, it was a moment that showed something about Trump that the Democrats were desperate to suppress at all costs. And that's otherwise it was so minor. It was like it was nothing. And that's what you were talking about for Trump. What I think he is wildly underrated on is for a billionaire who is from New York City, he is able to connect with the common man maybe better than almost anybody in, what, 40 years, 50 years from a political perspective. If you look at the base of Trump support, it is truck drivers, right? It is the average middle America guy out there all over the country, which is why I said he's way better when he gets outside of Mar-a-Lago. Mar-a-Lago is beautiful. It's extraordinary. You and I have been there. We've met with Trump there. But Trump wins when he's in the McDonald's in East Palestine or an ice cream shop in South Carolina because of his ability to connect with all those people in that shop. Uh, Trump also wins because I think he's got pretty good sense of testosterone. Uh, you know who doesn't have a good sense of testosterone? How about our buddy uh, Joe Biden and anybody who's basically representing the Democratic Party right now? Uh, I'm in New York City today. Got in last night. NCAA basketball games, Madison Square Garden. Great athleticism on display. Unfortunately, Better performance from FAU than my University of Tennessee team. And by the way, if you're a Kansas State fan, congratulations to you guys. You played a whale of a game against Michigan State. You know what all those guys on the court shared in common? Absolutely massive levels of testosterone, of energy, of physical vigor. These dudes are badasses. And maybe you're not in your 20s. Maybe you don't have the energy you had when you were in your early 20s. Maybe you're past your athletic prime like most of us are. 
But you still probably need a lot of energy. Chase around those grandkids. Chase around those kids. Perform at the highest possible level that you can at your job. How about checking out Chalk? It is all-natural testosterone replacement. Again, all-natural. They can see your testosterone levels boosted by up to 20% after three months. Just one of the many benefits you're going to get as a part of their male vitality stack, which will hook you up. You can learn more about Chalk products online at chalk.com. That's C-H-O-Q.com. If you sign up now and use my, go to chalk.com and use my name, You'll start feeling better. Hey, maybe you'll even be able to dunk on life with thanks to all the testosterone that you'll have naturally. Better. I'm live. Catch up on any part of the show you might have missed. Stay current with what Clay and Buck are saying on TV. Find the Clay and Buck app in your app store and make it part of your day. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast. And this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic, and then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go, like, how do I detach from my this idea of, what do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. You know, one thing for all of our political frustrations with what's going on day to day here, you shouldn't be able to be subject to uh, being made an after-the-fact felon by a bureaucratic uh, diktat, right? You shouldn't be able to be told that, oh, actually, what we told you before that was fine, we've decided now you're a felon unless you do the following things. I'm not talking about Congress. Congress can change laws. That's, you know, that's the way it is. 
I'm talking about a federal agency, in this case, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives. Now, I don't know how many in this audience have them, but I have a feeling, a lot of them, this goes to the issue of the pistol brace. Um, all the gun folks out there, and I always had to put out this proviso, I'm doing this extemporaneously, so if I mess up any part of this, don't, don't yell at me. But I, I know about this issue because of what's going on uh, these days with people that I know who are in the firearms community. Um, if you have a pistol brace, the ATF wants you to turn it, it wants you, is demanding based on a new Biden, of course, era interpretation of ATFE, alcohol, tobacco, firearms, explosives, regulations, you have to turn in the pistol brace, Clay, um, or you have to register it, which people don't want to do for pretty obvious reasons, uh, and get a tax stamp for it, the same way you currently do for getting a suppressor, more commonly known to a lot of people as a silencer, although it's not silent. And this is all about the... You, a pistol brace was invented so that individuals with actually a disability would be able to fire a would be able to fire more more easily. Um, and so that's how and then people bought them because they like them. They like to use them. It just became a more general millions of people have them. So they've decided Biden's ATF has decided that probably a, a big uh, group of people, even in this audience right now, by the end of May, as it stands, will be felons. Felons, if they still have this. Ten years ago, they said it was fine. Jim Jordan, we like our man Jim Jordan here, he was fired up today over this issue of the pistol brace ban, or I shouldn't say ban, the new regulation, making it into a felony if you don't go through the hoops that they've newly established. But here's Jim Jordan on it. Play it. Congressional Research Services has said anywhere between 10 and 40 million Americans own stabilizing brace. Unless you remove the brace, lengthen the barrel, turn in or destroy your firearm or register your gun with this government that you know you can trust, you know you can trust. Unless you do those four things, what happens? What are you? A felon. A felon. A felon for something 10 years ago they said was just fine. That you build a business on and the business started because you wanted to help a man who put the uniform of his country on his back and served our country and was injured, and now they're going to put you out of business and make people felons. Millions of people, Clay, at risk of being declared felons by diktat of Biden's ATF. And it's ex post facto law. I I think that's what strikes a lot of people very, uh, very, you know, it's very unfair to have something that is legal, allow people to purchase it, and then after they have legally obtained something, to come in on the backside of this and say, and oh, by the way, you're now potentially a felon based on something that you purchased that was legal beforehand, right? Well, that, they that's they the also know there are so many in Clay that, that if they tried to, if they allowed grandfathering it, which has happened with other yeah. regulation changes, well, now you've got 40 million of these in circulation. Guess what? They're going to be worth a whole lot of money on the, no you know, on the private sale market, which... So this is why they're they're trying to get a registration of them, and everyone knows they want to register them so that eventually they can take them from you. Yeah, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And that this is where it would be more honest if we had an actual gun control debate, and Democrats would just come out and say, "Our goal is not to chip away, and eventually say, okay, you can keep the rest of these guns. It's to chip away until there's nothing." It's crazy. Left. I, I have all these all these friends I know, Clay, who are telling me that you know they had a couple pistol braces, but. Uh, you know, they fell out the back of the pickup truck in the woods. They never saw them yeah, again. Yeah. Or 
their pistol brace. They were out, they were out, you know, bass fishing, and then the pistol brace just kind of tipped over, and oh, they don't know where they are now. So that's what they're going to be up against if they keep this rule going anyway. But no, this is tyranny from anti-Second Amendment lunatics and Biden's ATF. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.